Well, hey, uh, there we go. Wow. It's good to see you all survived the Mayan apocalypse. I got to admit, I was, uh, I was scrambling last night till about midnight to throw together a sermon this morning. I was sort of banking on that apocalypse happening and, and uh, didn't come through for me. So hopefully we got something good for you this morning. But uh, hey, Merry Christmas, you guys. We're a couple days away. Let me uh, show hands. How many of you are excited about Christmas coming soon? Anybody? Let's see. Show of hands here. Look at that. I mean, it's almost a silly question, right? I mean, how many of us don't look forward to the arrival of Christmas? You know, whether you're young or old, there's just something special about Christmas morning finally getting here. I think a lot of it has to do with our anticipation of Christmas and how we look forward to it for weeks in advance, or more like months if you're like my wife, but we, we look forward to Christmas and its arrival. Let me ask, how many of you have an advent calendar at home? Anybody have an advent calendar at home? A few of you? We have a, a really cool advent calendar at our, house, at our house that my uh, wife made a few years ago. And one of the fun traditions we have in our family is counting down the days of Christmas uh, on our advent calendar. Our, uh, our advent calendar, it's about two feet by three feet, and it hangs on, uh, on a wall in our house. And uh, my wife has sewn little pockets into it for each of the days of December. And so uh, as we count down the days of our calendar, looking forward to the arrival of Christmas, each morning when my kids wake up, they go and they check the advent calendar, and there's a special little surprise in there for them, a piece of candy, a little eraser, a, a little toy. And, and, uh, and each day as we count down the days to Christmas, the, uh, the anticipation and excitement builds in our household as we see Christmas is getting closer and closer. Now, the anticipation of Christmas is fun because we know the end is in sight. We see on our calendar that each day is one day closer to December 25th. And while some of us may struggle with patience during the Christmas season, right? we don't despair because we know Christmas is coming. December 25th is right around the corner. And so we look ahead with anticipation. But I want you to imagine this, friends. What if we didn't know when Christmas would arrive? What if December 25th was just another day on the calendar? What if all we knew was that Christmas would come someday, but we didn't know when. What if we were just waiting? Well, this would change things, wouldn't it? You see, waiting is a whole different ballgame from anticipation. Anticipation is about looking ahead to a known goal or destination. And anticipation is exciting. But waiting, when there's no outcome known in a, ahead of time, waiting is definitely not fun. And there's nothing exciting about waiting. This past April, I was flying home from a weekend of speaking at a church in North Carolina. And on my way home, my connecting flight through Atlanta 
was delayed, and the airline had no idea when our flight to Minneapolis would take off. And so I sat in the Atlanta airport, and while one hour ticked by, and I waited. No word on our flight. Two hours ticked by, and I waited. Still no word on when our flight would depart. Three hours ticked by, and I started getting frustrated, angry, eventually depressed. You know, all the emotions that come with just waiting. You know what I'm talking about? Friends, waiting is just a pain. When you have a goal or destination in mind, but there's no clear end in sight, that's waiting. And I don't know anyone who likes to just wait. Now, fortunately for us today, when it comes to Christmas, we aren't just waiting. Christ has come. And so today, we are blessed to be a people of anticipation. We get to rejoice with great excitement each and every day as we look forward to Christmas because Christ has come. And we know that come Tuesday of this week, December 25th, we will celebrate the greatest event that ever transpired. God breaking into human history, revealing himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the Savior, and Lord. Friends, we are a people of anticipation. But you know something? It hasn't always been this way. A little over 2,000 years ago, God's people were just waiting. And this wasn't like a delayed flight in the Atlanta airport waiting. No, 2,000 years ago, God's people found themselves in very desperate circumstances. Israel had been occupied by the Roman Empire. Foreign soldiers controlled the countryside. They stole, raped, and terrorized the people. Taxes were burdensome, and justice was in short supply. Even the Jewish religion had been hijacked by high priests who were collaborators with the Roman Empire. Not only that, but we had the scribes and Pharisees who were more interested in keeping religious rules than they were in shepherding people's hearts. It was a desperate time for God's people, and all they could do was wait and hope and hold on to the promises that God had made them hundreds of years earlier. Promises like Jeremiah 23, 5, and 6, where God declared, The days are coming when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just, just and right in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord our Righteousness. And friends, 2,000 years ago, God's people lived for promises like this. And they waited. But waiting is never easy. Especially not in desperate times with no end in sight. And I can imagine that many people in Israel were questioning God during this time. Hey God, what's taking so long? God, what are you waiting for? 
You can send that deliverer any day now. But you see, friends, the reality was that God had a plan. And he hadn't forgotten his people. And from our vantage point today, we can see how God was working in history to bring about the deliverance of not only his people, but all people at just the right time. In fact, this is where the short passage that is the theme of our message for today comes into play. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul explains, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Paul says, When the time had fully come, God sent his Son. You see, friends, God had a plan. And the reality is, whether we understand his timing or not, God always has a plan. And he always shows up for his people in the fullness of time. To understand God's plan for Christmas and how Jesus arrived in the fullness of time, we need to look back at history at the history of God's people, the nation of Israel. And specifically, we need to understand two key promises that God had made to his people. The first promise came about 2,200 years before the arrival of Jesus Christ. It was a promise given to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. And in Genesis 12, verses 2 through 3, God told Abraham that through him and his ancestors he would create a great nation. And that through this nation, all the peoples of the world would be blessed. The second promise came roughly a thousand years before the arrival of Jesus Christ. And this was a promise given to King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, God told David through the prophet Nathan, that David's kingdom and throne would be established forever. These two promises, or covenants, were the foundation of God's plan for the salvation of the world. And throughout the Old Testament, God reaffirmed these promises with over 300 prophecies given at various times to the people of Israel, reminding them that a Savior was coming. God had a plan. And when we come to the New Testament, we read the genealogy of Jesus given to us in Matthew chapter 1. And we're not going to read through it all together, but it's interesting when you read the genealogy of Jesus, we see that Matthew divides the history of Israel into three periods. From Abraham to King David, from King David to the exile of Israel from the Promised Land, and from the return to the Promised Land to the arrival and birth of Jesus Christ. And Matthew reveals to us in this genealogy how God was writing his story, working through the people and events in the history of Israel to bring about the fullness of time. 
And what Matthew's genealogy of Jesus highlights is that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. That it would be through Jesus that all the peoples of the world would be blessed. And Matthew shows us that Jesus is also the fulfillment of God's promise to David. That it was Jesus who was the true king of Israel. And that his kingdom and his throne would be established and endure forever. And so today, we can see how God was working throughout 2,000 years of Israel's history to bring about the fullness of time. But it's also important to understand, friends, God wasn't just working and writing his story through the nation of Israel. But God was also working throughout the history of the world and other nations to bring about the fullness of time. I once had a youth group student ask me, Pastor Jason, why did God send Jesus in the first century? Why not the 20th century? Or today? That's a good question, isn't it? Have any of you ever wondered that before? What was so special about the first century that God chose that era as the perfect time to reveal the Messiah to the world, to reveal his plan for Christmas? Well, it's very interesting to consider how God had prepared the world for the coming of the Messiah in the first century. In fact, what we see when we look back on history is that history really is his story. You ever thought about that? History literally is his story. So why the first century? Well, first of all, through the Jewish people, God had prepared the world to embrace the concept of monotheism. In a world full of polytheistic pagan religions and idol worship, the nation of Israel stood out as unique proclaiming to the other cultures of the world that there was only one true God. And so by the first century, in a world that had become disillusioned by idols that repeatedly failed them, people were ready to embrace the truth of one supreme creator God and his self-revelation to us. Secondly, God had prepared the world of the first century culturally. By 332 B.C., a man by the name of Alexander the Great had conquered the entire known world. And in conquering the world, Alexander the Great spread Greek culture and the Greek language throughout the world. And so, at the time of the first century when Christ was born, the whole known world spoke a common language, Koine Greek, making it possible to communicate and advance the gospel throughout the world. Thirdly, at the time of Jesus' birth, the Roman Empire had come along. And the Roman Empire had conquered the known world and had ushered in a period of history known as the Pax Romana, or Roman Peace. This era was the first time in human history where the three great continents of Europe, Asia, and Africa were all linked together with an organized system of roads, with aqueducts providing water, and with a military policing them 
for safety of travel. These things all allowed for the early Christians to rapidly spread the message of the gospel throughout the world. Something that would have been impossible in earlier eras. And so you see, God had a plan. And as the Apostle Paul reports in Galatians 4, when the fullness of time had come, when the time had fully come, God sent his Son. God had been preparing the nation of Israel and the rest of the world, both physically and spiritually, for the arrival of Jesus Christ that first Christmas 2,000 years ago. And friends, we celebrate Christmas this year in just two short days because God had a plan, a glorious plan that he revealed at just the right time, a plan born out of his love for us, a plan that would lead to our salvation and his exaltation. The Apostle Paul describes God's plan for Christmas and its ultimate goal like this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. He says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, for our salvation. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, we are a people of anticipation. We look forward to Christmas each year because those of us who know the Lord, we who have put our trust in Him for our salvation more than any any other people, we truly do have reason to celebrate. We understand the power of Paul's simple phrase, when the time had fully come, God sent his son. Now, friends, this morning, I also want to remind you that our anticipation of Christmas as followers of Jesus Christ is rooted not only in what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago, but also in a promise he's made to us. Remember, God's plan is only partly finished. And Jesus has promised us that he is coming again to make all things new. In fact, in Revelation 22, verses 7 and 12, Jesus says not only is he coming again, but he says, Behold, I am coming soon! Friends, Jesus is coming again. Christmas was just the beginning of God's plan of salvation. And while we rightly celebrate at Christmas time everything that Christ has done for us in his first coming, Christmas also reminds us that the best 
is yet to come. And hopefully soon. I don't know about you, but when I look at the state of our world today, with the atrocities we see people committing against one another, with all the economic chaos and injustice, with the moral perversion that runs rampant, when I look at all these things, I can't help but long for Jesus to come again and make all things new, as he's promised. In Revelations 21, 1 through 5, we read God's promise to us about the final consummation of his plan of salvation. And what a promise it is. The Apostle John reports, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Friends, these words are trustworthy and true. This is God's promise to us. You see, God has a plan. And in the fullness of time, Jesus will come again. And he's going to finally redeem all of creation, making all things new. Man, what an experience that's going to be for those of us who've put our trust in him as our Savior and Lord. I can't wait. And you know something, friends? We shouldn't wait. As I said earlier, God's people aren't a people of waiting. We are a people of anticipating, right? And while we may not know the exact date of Jesus' return, he does. In fact, he's already said it. Did you know that? Take a look at what God tells us in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits a what? An appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. I would suggest anticipate it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Friends, God has already set an appointed time for his return and the final consummation of his plan of salvation. And while we don't know when that date is, we know the one who set it. And we can trust him because of how he's proven himself faithful. 2,000 years ago, God showed up in the fullness of time in accordance with the promises he had made to his people for 2,000 years in advance of the first Christmas. 
And the same God who showed up for his people then has promised that he's showing up again. And friends, God always keeps his word. He always shows up in the fullness of time. And right now, God is working in history just as he was prior to that first Christmas. And we don't fully comprehend all the ways in which he's writing his story. But he is at work, working through the church, working through the nations of the world today to bring history to the fullness of time. His time in which he will return and make all things new. And so, friends, this Christmas we have reason to hope. We are a people of anticipation. Now, friends, as I conclude this morning, I want to leave you with one last word of encouragement from the Lord. I know there are a number of people here today who are going through some challenging times. And you know Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy and thanksgiving. But you're finding it real hard not to feel discouraged right now. Some of you may even be thinking to yourselves as you listen to this sermon, this is all well and good, Pastor Jason. I'm glad Jesus is coming back someday. But I need Jesus to show up now. Pastor Jason, you don't understand what I'm going through in my life right now. I'm not worried about the fullness of time. I need God to show up today. Friends, if that's where you're at today, you need to know that God knows all about your circumstances and he loves you today so very much. There is never a moment in your life where God is not intimately aware of the concerns of your heart. God knows. He cares. And what I can promise you is that God is in control. And there is absolutely nothing that happens to his people that is outside of his good and perfect will for our lives. You remember earlier in my sermon when I talked about how prior to that first Christmas, God's people were just waiting. All they had was their hope that someday God's promises would be fulfilled, but there was no end in sight. And they were in very desperate circumstances. And throughout the Old Testament, we see times where God's people had started to question if God was ever going to show up. And could he really be trusted? And did he even care? During one of those times, God spoke to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And he shared a message of hope with them that I believe is an important reminder for all of us today especially for those of us who may be in the midst of difficult circumstances. Let's look at what God tells us in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 26 through 31. God says, Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power, and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, 
and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Friends, what God is saying to us here is that He is in control. And nothing happens that is outside of his perfect knowledge and will for our lives. And when you are weak and burdened by the trials of life, friends, God has all the strength you need. And his promise to you this morning is that when you place your trust in him, when you hope in him, he will show up for you in the fullness of time. And he will give you all you need to keep going because he loves you. The Apostle Peter echoes this promise in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. He tells us, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. For you. Friends, what a promise. God cares for you. And when you turn to Him in the midst of your hurts or disappointments or trials, God will lift you up in due time. Friends, the God of Christmas always shows up in the fullness of time. And you can trust him, even in the meantime, because he loves you. You're not alone. This Christmas, friends, my prayer for all of you is that you will experience the presence and power of our Savior in very real and tangible ways. And no matter your circumstances, I pray that you would know the joy of anticipation the anticipation of celebrating the Savior who has come and who is coming again. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for how you showed up in the fullness of time and how you had been working throughout history to bring about just the right time to reveal your Son, our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. God, we thank you that you did not leave us waiting, for you were faithful, and you brought our Deliverer, and you've provided us forgiveness from our sins, and you've invited us into the family of God. God, we, above all people, have reason to celebrate this Christmas. We are a people of anticipation 
because of what you've done for us. Lord, I know there might be somebody here this morning who's never fully grasped the true meaning of Christmas. And there may be somebody here this morning who recognizes that they need to put their trust in you right now. Maybe for the very first time. Maybe right now, today, this moment right here and now is the fullness of time for them in which they will meet you. And I just pray if there's anybody here that you might just say a simple prayer to the Lord right now in the quiet of your own heart. Just say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need the forgiveness that you purchased for me when you died on the cross. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and I want to make you the Lord of my life. And God promises that a simple act of faith like that will allow you to become a child of God. What a great hope we have in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you that your plan of salvation is only partly finished and that we look forward with great anticipation to the day when you will return and you will make all things new. What a glorious day that will be. We long for your arrival, Jesus. And in the meantime, Lord, let us be a people who serve you, who reach out to the world around us, who reach out to the lost around us, who bring the good news of Christmas to a world that so desperately needs to hear it, not just during the Christmas season, but each and every day. We're a people of anticipation. Lord, help us to live each and every day with great anticipation, a contagious anticipation that points people to you, our Savior, our Lord, our King of kings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.